at 2 p.m. our time. Uh, I'm looking at the reverb here. I got a little too much. There we go. Get just a little bit of reverb down. We come to every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We are your daily distraction by the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. We come to you on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, where you can merely listen, simply listen. Uh, we come to you on YouTube, on the Comedy Schools channel, and right here on Facebook Live. I'm trying to straighten out my shot here. It's a little crooked to me, but uh, that just might be me. A lot of times, I look at the shot later on after we've done the show, and I go, I didn't like that shot, and then I look at it, and it's a perfectly lovely uh symmetrical shot and uh i think that's what we got going here so anyway uh welcome man welcome uh we got a great show for you today uh it's a big day for me busy day for me uh i'll be doing this show for the next 30 minutes uh and then at 5 p.m a mountain standard time i will be making the trek well i will have already made the trek by 5 p.m to uh gilbert arizona to jp's comedy club jpscomedyclub.com uh, for the live in-person version of Class Clowns. Live in-person version of Class Clowns. We did a Friday night one on Zoom. Man, it was fun. Man, it was fun. Man, it was a good time. Uh, we had some new Zoomers, too. We had people who uh, haven't uh, done a Zoom show. John Cowan, Liz Frisius, Teresa Byers, Terry Jean Byers. Uh, and that was their first Zoom show, along with Matt Delgado, uh, that had done their very first Zoom show. And it was pretty... Uh, Pretty darn exciting to see the look in their eyes. They realized that it was actually working. A lot of fun. A whole new way of uh, producing um, entertainment on Zoom. Something that uh, just wasn't being done at the beginning of the year, which has now been a regular part of our repertoire uh, since uh, March. So uh, you might want to watch this space, as uh, they say on uh, television. Uh, watch this space. Uh, for when our next Zoom show is, and uh, find out how you can uh, how you can uh, watch it and enjoy it from the comfort of your own home. So yeah, um, did the uh, Zoom show Friday, doing the live show tonight at 5 p.m. If you're in the greater Gilbert area, pop on by. Some very funny people, some very funny people there at Jim Perry's Club, uh, and uh, come up and say hi. Well, come up up to six feet. I'm gonna bet. Just, it's a rhetorical bet. It's not an actual putting. unimaginable right now so they're taking these half measures unfortunately i belong to an organization that says half measures avail us of nothing but maybe these half measures these partial lockdowns i don't know why my screen went uh, uh for some reason my uh my entire thing paused for a second uh i don't know why these uh 
screen paused and it kind of screwed me up, uh, that they'll do something. We just got to get over the hump now, you guys. We just got to get over the hump. We just got to get to the other side of this. Not only is there the Pfizer vaccine, there's other vaccines on the way. There's treatments that have been developed. Next year at this time, this thing should be in our rearview mirror. And I think I want what you want, what we all want, is for as many people who are alive today to be able to say next year at this time, it's in our rearview mirror. What I want, what you want, what we all want, is that this time next year we're going, hey, it's in our rearview mirror. Too bad about Joe. Man, wish Joe could have been here for it. But Joe was out running around rubbing butts with people down at the Walmart and going to rallies. Got a cough, end up in the hospital. So we want everybody who's alive today, a year from now, to be able to have this in their rearview mirror. But my bet is with the increase in the virus, and you know what, the virus, here's the problem with the virus. Now, there's a lot of problems with the virus. First off, it's a virus and it makes you sick. But the problem with the perception of the virus, it's not like a tornado or tornado, depending if you prefer that pronunciation. It's not like a tsunami. It's not like anything like that. It's not visible to the naked eye. And human beings really won't respond to things completely and entirely unless it's visible to the naked eye. So I get people arguing. Uh, nobody I know has. Well, a lot of people I know have. People are now, people's lives are being disrupted in new ways right now. They're having to move out of uh, uh, single people, moving out of uh, places where they uh, share the, the rent with other people because someone has the virus. Uh, jobs shutting down. People going to the hospital. People having to have someone else watch their kids when they go to the hospital and their kids got it and give it to the people that are watching it. So we got to we got to maintain a couple things here. Wear a mask when you go out amongst people. Stay six foot away. Kevin Brown says, "Sound like Joe was living his life and died a free man." Well, good for Joe. You know what? Maybe Joe should die. This uh, rhetorical Joe. Maybe you know the hell with Joe. Maybe there should be some sort of sequestering where we allow the people that want to go out and rub butts and lick each other to be able to do it. Problem is, Joe, was, when he's living his life, he's touching everybody else's lives. But I get what you're saying, uh, Kevin. I get the sarcasm in it. Yeah, I'm living my life. I'm living as a free man. <laughs> and coughing on people. You know, you got to go out and do things. Human beings are social animals. We are social animals. And, when, and we are also people that need routine, but also need break from the routine. We are, compliment, we are complicated and contradictory. We want... We want to be able to have some semblance of normalcy and at the same time have the excitement of surprise in our life. That's what we want. That's what we're trying to do for you. All right. Okay. Um, it's a little hot here in Arizona today. Uh, I don't even want to. You know what? Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. Uh, we'll get on the other side of this uh, corona crisis. We get on either side of it, and then we got all this other stuff we'll have to face. The economy, and global warming, and immigration, and racism, and, and uh, uh, injustice. And you know what? And as long as you understand that life 
For me, I don't know how it is for you. For me, life is a never-ending series of problems that have to be solved. And the joy of life is in solving the problems. The joy in life is in solving the problems. So we got our work cut out for us. Not today. Not a lot of work today. Today we're goofing off uh, uh, doing uh, living on a thin line here with you and then later on telling jokes. By the way, at JP's Comedy Club today, it, there will be safe social distancing. We get those tables spread apart further than uh, a gymnast on a uh, gymnast on a balance beam uh, doing a split. We get the tables spread apart. Uh, masks are required. Uh, you don't have to wear your mask if you're sitting down, although I prefer it. But if you get up and walk through the room to go and get a drink or uh, to go outside or go to the turlet, I say turlet. I say turnata and turlet. Uh, then um, you're required to wear your mask. We're going to do the show. We're going to get in. We're going to have a good time. We're going to get out. Everybody's going to have fun. Performers are uh, the required distance from the audience, 12 foot apart. So we're making this happen, but we're living by the rules. By the way, if they change the rules again, we'll live by those rules. That's what happened at the beginning. All right. Um, hey, uh, a couple of things to tell you about. So, uh, why is this thing keeps pausing? Um, I apologize. Somehow my... Uh, my, uh, um, El Telefone, the, uh, I'm probably gonna have to switch over to a new device. This one's starting to do some weird things. This thing that has seen me all the way through the pandemic so far, um, uh, keeps pausing. So there's a brief, brief pauses in the program. Maybe it's the, uh, gods of, uh, uh podcasting telling me I need to get some sponsors. I should. Uh, and my Shirley thinks it's my cord. The uh, cord's pretty chewed up, too. A lot of more things are chewed up around here right now because of Ray the Wonder Cat. Uh, Ray's running around chewing everything up. We, uh, we, we uh, set ourselves up for disaster here, ladies and gentlemen. We got a house full of leather furniture, and now we got a cat. So, um, you know what? A lot of times, we just do it to ourselves. Hey, um, if you're looking for uh, a way to learn something new and have some fun, this Monday night at 7.30 p.m., this Monday night at 7.30 p.m., Mountain Standard Time, I'll be doing a free intro to my stand-up comedy workshops at J.P.'s Comedy Club, 860 East Warner Road in Gilbert, Arizona. The night is fun. The night, night is free. There is no obligation. Come in and check it out. If you like what you hear and you like what you see, we get you signed up to our five-week uh, beginning workshop course, and you'll learn more about stand-up <coughs> in five weeks than you will from five months or five years of open mics. Believe you me. I know what you're thinking. You go, wow, I would like to do that, but I can't be there in person. A, I don't want to go anywhere. Or B, I don't live anywhere near there. Got you covered. Problem solved. Like I said, I like to solve problems. Tuesday, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tuesday, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I'm doing a free intro to stand-up comedy on Zoom, live on Zoom. So no matter where you are in the world, you can pop in and listen to our spiel and see if we are your deal. So in order to find out about that, just go to ComedySchools.com. Find out and get registered. ComedySchools.com. Uh, what are we going to recommend today? I'm going to recommend a book. I'm going to recommend a book. Have you found, like me, that with the advent of social media and uh, these devices that we still call phones, although probably 10 or 20% of the time do we use them as phones, that uh, your uh, uh, attention span for reading has gotten shorter. Are you like me while you're watching the news? You're also looking at your phone for other news? Uh, I think we need to get back to reading books to get our sanity going. I got a great one for you here. Uh, this goes along with so many things I'm talking about. This is called, and you can't read it, it's backwards. The Searchers. The Searchers. So it's a plain cover here. You can't really make it out. Uh, the Searchers, uh, I'm going to have uh, Shirley put it in the, um, 
in the um, uh, comments uh, by Glenn Frankel. It's The Making of an American Legend. This is an incredible book, The Searchers. It's not the movie, The Searchers, are the original book, The Searchers. This is The Searchers, The Making of American Legend, which is about the making of what many people consider to be the greatest, greatest Western of all time, The Searchers, starring John Wayne, directed by John Ford. But it's about more than that. It's about its connection to America itself. It's about its connection going all the way back to Texas when it was still part of the Republic of Mexico. It's about its connection to the true story of Cynthia Parker and her abduction by uh, uh, the Comanches and, of course, white people's abduction of uh, Native American children and the long, drawn-out, great war that took place in this country that is seldom talk, talked about, the Great War of the United States and Mexico, and for a while, the Republic of Texas against the empire of Comancheria. There actually was a place one time that spread all the way from down near the Mexican border all through southern Texas, all the way into New Mexico, up into Oklahoma and further, that was known as the empire of Comancheria. When the Comanche Nation ruled that entire land, did other people live there? Yes. Did Apaches live there? Yes. Kiowa lived there? Yes. White settlers? Yes. Mexicans? Yes. But it was ruled, it was dominated by the Comanche And there was war starting as early as the 1820s that went on into the 1880s, 1890s, in that part of the world between the empire of Comancheria and the United States. A woman was kidnapped, then Cynthia Parker. Her, her story became uh, a huge story back east. This newspaper wrote about it. She'd been kidnapped and lived and lived until she was a young woman with the Comanches and married a Comanche chief and was um, found during a minor skirmish by a man named Charlie Goodnight. We could get into Charlie Goodnight later on. Uh, that's a name you may have heard, but a lot of the great stories of the cattle drives come from Charlie Goodnight and his experience as being one of the first people doing cattle drives. Uh, Lonesome Dove, for instance, is actually based on not a cattle drive from Texas to Montana, but from Texas into New Mexico. She was unhappy when she was found. She kept wanting to escape and go back to live with the Comanches. It's the life that she knew. Her son became one of the last great, one of the last great, Comanche chiefs, he was the one that finally negotiated the settlement that ended the war and lived out his days in a very nice house with several wives in uh, southern Oklahoma. Uh, and this book, The Searchers by Glenn Fra Frankel, ties together so much. Why is The Searchers, the Western, which a lot of it's pretty clunky, to be honest with you. Okay, but there, what is the pull? What is the pull of it? It's one of the more honest Westerns ever made. In it, John Wayne plays a racist who hates Indians. He wants to go find his kidnapped niece to kill her because he thinks that would be better for her than the life she has lived with uh, the Native Americans portrayed in the film. The film takes place over decades as they search for her. Now, before you sit there and go, oh, yeah, John Wayne was a racist and uh, you shouldn't be recommending John Wayne movies, it was directed by John Ford. John Ford was one of the great liberals in Hollywood, a man who stood up to Cecil DeMille in his demand for production codes and loyalty oaths, 
a man who helped kind of break the back of the Hollywood blacklist against people for their political views back in the uh, 50s. And that might be what's interesting about it. Because the movie is a comedy and it's a drama. John Wayne is a racist, but at the same time heroic. John Wayne was a right-wing political animal and John Ford was a liberal Democrat. And they came together and made one of the greatest movies ever. The, the settlers that came to Texas were drawn there, were asked to come there by Mexico, the white settlers. They came there and they just wanted to live there, unfortunately, with someone else's land and there a great struggle ensued. And in that, we can find so much of why America is the way it is today. That constant divide and push-pull that we always have. So if you want to read a great book, great book. Fred Scott's uh, um, recommended a book here, excellent book on the Comanche. Uh, and uh, we're going to probably some other people will as well. Uh, you can also read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee if you want to read the story of the Plains Indian Wars, as they were called, uh, from the uh, point of view of the Native American tribes. So... Um, we need to understand each other a little bit. We need to understand each other a little bit. Maybe stop running out in the street screaming and yelling and threatening so much and try to understand one another a little bit and know that we all came from somewhere else. Even the Plains Indians, many of them came from somewhere else because they'd been pushed um, across the uh, Mississippi by uh, one Andrew Jackson many years ago in the 1820s, 1830s. All right, so The Searchers is the book that we're recommending today. Okay, so uh, when we're recommending stuff, bobbleheads and what have you, today, I'm just looking here to see what time it is, see how much time I got left for this fine uh, uh, podcast. So uh, then Frederick Scott put up, wrong link. And then Mike Munley said, well said. I don't think Mike Munley is saying well said when Frederick Scott put up, wrong link. But now he has a different one. Empire Summer. Summer Moon, Comanches. All right, all right, we'll check it out, Fred. We'll check it out. Cool, cool. Those are the books. Um... Those were momentous things that changed America. Uh, those were momentous things that changed America. America is always changing. What we like, what we love, but it always has some sort of connection. Uh, in the 60s, there was a revolution in music, new sounds. A lot of it just brought on by technology. A lot of it brought on by um, amplify, uh, amplifiers. Amplifiers kind of killed the big band. There was no need for... 10 trombones and three French horns anymore. Uh, 15, 20 guys on stage to make a big enough sound to excite people. You were able to do it with three or four or five people. And in that technology, there was new ways to make that sound, a new ways to make a uh, guitar uh, uh, sound, a new way for singers to sing, a new way to bring the drummer, drums forward. And there came about a type of music that was the new music of the 60s. Music with feedback and fuzz guitars and wah-wah. Music that came from a different songbook than the classic American songbook of Tin Pan Alley. It came from the music of uh, the Delta Plantation and the Chicago nightclubs. And it was new, and it was different, and it was exciting. But eventually, even the people that made that kind of music went back to the root. And one of the albums that really made that return to the root in the late 60s popular was this album. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. If you're of a certain age, that album cover to you is like looking at old family photos. If you are of a certain age, looking at that album cover is like looking at old family photos. It was a return to the acoustic sound. 
and a return to a country sound, a return to something, to, uh, music that came more out of uh, uh, English child's ballads and Appalachian folk tunes and Scottish ballads. And it was done by some of the people who were in the forefront of the new sound, David Crosby with the birds, Stephen Stills with Buffalo Springfield, Graham Nash with the Howies, all playing the new music that was no longer called rock and roll, but rock. Songs like Eight Miles High. It's an incredible album. With this album, the popularity of story songs, popularity of simple instruments played quietly but evocatively, once again, blasted out of the radios in America. It had begun a little earlier than that. It had begun with Graham Parsons in The Birds. Trying to, it had begun with Bob Dylan's Nashville Skyline, with the Grateful Dead being so cacked out on acid after Live Dead that they all ran out to the country and go, we just got to make something simple. Plus, we spent so much of our money making albums that were broke, making American Beauty and Working Man's Dead and just using, uh, for the most part, acoustic instruments. It had begun there, but this was the album that made it the popular music of the time. You know these songs. I'm going to recommend one of the lesser, you're going to, you, you would assume I'm going to recommend one of the pop, more popular songs, but um, look at this on um, side two. Side one. On this album, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. It's actually called, it's not called Sweet, S-W-E-E-T. It's a sweet so it's uh, several tunes put together in one. Then uh, written by Stephen Stills. Then uh, Marrakesh Express by Graham Nash. Nash. Guinevere by David Crosby. You Don't Have to Cry by Stephen Stills. Pre-Road Downs by Graham Nash. Wooden Ships by David Crosby and Stephen Stills, uh, which also was recorded by the Jefferson Airplane. Lady of the Island by Graham Nash. Helplessly Hoping by Stephen Stills. Long Time Gone by David Crosby. And 49 Bye Byes by Stephen Stills. This took over the American airwaves. They were introduced to us originally in the film Woodstock when the three of them got together on that stage. And I believe it was uh, David Crosby, one of them, announced to 400,000 people, we're scared shitless, man. We've never played together before. In public, they hadn't. They were all playing up in that magical, mystical place where somehow creativity had come together, Laurel Canyon. Where the Doors and Frank Zappa and so many more live just a few blocks off the Sunset Strip in a place that looks as rural as any creekside in Kentucky, but was right next to where American culture is often created or at least sold. These, uh, uh, I've been up around those houses, those funky houses in Laurel Canyon. This was made in sunny Southern California. Sunny Southern California, but it had that eternal American sound. That eternal American sound. Now, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, later on, sometimes Young, this album did not have Neil Young, uh, became infamous um, because of drug use, of not showing up for concerts. Uh, they even got a nickname after a while because they would come out and play for a half hour and then walk off stage, and they became known as uh, Crosby, Steals the Cash and Runs. Uh, they split up, got back together, uh, played together as duos, did a lot of different stuff. But as David Crosby said one time, when he, uh, David Crosby ended up going to prison in Texas for drug use. Uh, but as he said one time, as someone was attacking him for his drug use, he goes, did you like the music, man? 
Did you love the music? Because it was all made on drugs. All of it. All of it. It's no excuse for drug use. Even in a time now where marijuana is legalized. No excuse for it. But he was honest about something. Anybody who's of a certain age, listen to this album. You probably wore the grooves off of it. You heard it constantly on the radio as you were driving around in your car. Listen to the FM rock station in your city or your town. You would always hear Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. The song I'm going to recommend from here is one of my uh, favorite because I like songs that tug at the heartstrings. I love songs that kind of touch you in a different way. I love songs that make you think of not so much loss, but what could have been. So we're going to recommend Helplessly Hoping by Stephen Stills. Of course, there's all the big ones on here. Wooden ships on here. You know, Long Time Gone. Those are monsters. Those are monsters. We heard them all the time. Uh, There's uh, Judy Blue Eyes. There's Marrakesh Express. uh, Pre-Road Downs. Those are all huge songs. But the one that always touched me, the one that when I heard it late at night, made me think of something else, took me outside of my corporal realm, is Helplessly Hoping. So that's our uh, musical selection for the day. Now, I know Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, and Nash Young are not an obscure uh, uh, group that we're uh, bringing to you new. But in the spirit sometime of reminding you of what you loved, in the spirit of maybe pointing out something done by people that you love that you didn't listen to as often, but in the spirit also of maybe never really knowing it, maybe it's your parents' music, maybe it's your grandparents' music, take a, take a moment and listen. Because my, my real musical education didn't begin until I started listening to albums and music made before I was born or when I was a child, until I really went back and listened to Little Richard, before I really went back and listened to Howlin' Wolf, before I really went back and listened to Glenn Miller, before I really went back and listened to Scott Joplin. And great, I'm talking about all American music, which could all be labeled under popular music. But my musical education, my understanding of what I was listening to today and also a little bit of understanding of who we are and what kind of people we are. Didn't really begin until I started listening to music that was not popular in my teens. So, anyway, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay? Uh, and there we got it. Uh, Shirley has put it up in the uh, comments. I will add all of this to the, um, uh, to the title when, um, when we finish up here. We're going to wrap up. Like I said, if you're around town... Uh, and if you don't have a mask, we got masks there. Uh, if you don't have your own hand sanitizer, we have hand sanitizer. Um, will this be one of the last live shows that we do for a while? I don't know. I don't know. It has been a long, strange trip for uh, Shirley and I and our little company this entire time. We've managed to keep it afloat because that's what Americans do. That's what Americans do. American is about waving a flag, although we wave a flag. American is about stomping around with an angry look on your face. America is going, something's wrong, let's fix it, we have a problem, let's solve it, okay? So, uh, if today's one of our last shows in a while, we'll find another way to bring entertainment to you, we will. If the whole internet goes down, we'll shout it from the rooftops. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show today. My name's Tony Vizzi, you've been watching Living on a Thin Line, bye-bye.